Wretched Radio begins in three, two, one. What is the Bible? Who wrote the Bible? The church will continue to be even more irrelevant when it quotes letters from 2,000 years ago. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so, is where our trouble began. This sounds to me like the voice of someone who really has an appalling ignorance of what the Bible says about itself and what Jesus said about it. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Let's talk about talking about... Alistair Begg, this is Wretched Radio. At this point, it is almost certain that you have heard via the Internet there is an evangelical skirmish going on due to the remarks of one pastor, Alistair Begg of Parkside Church, also the voice of Truth For Life Ministries. He has been a pastor for 40 years, and nobody, to the best of my knowledge, has ever tagged him on anything that could be considered less than biblical. In other words, the guy's been stout for decades, faithful preaching, well-beloved, impacting no doubt thousands in his local church and potentially millions across the globe. And yet, 10 days ago, now, Let's just pause for a moment. Ten days ago, Pastor Begg said something that I suspect most of the tens and tens of people who listen to this here wretched radio program would disagree with, as do I. He stated that he counseled a grandmother in his church who asked, can I go to my grandson's transgender wedding? Alistair Begg He basically came down to, as long as they understand where you stand on the issue, then you're good to go, and you can bring a present. That blew up social media. Ten days later, we are seeing the effects of this as he continues to be a trending subject. Might I take us back into church history just for a moment, recognizing fully well we didn't have the internet in, say, the 5th century, the 4th century. There was no postal service. I'm not exactly sure how letters got from one person to another. I think they had to be delivered by a pal or you had to pay somebody who was a traveler and cross your fingers and hope they deliver it. We didn't have automobiles. We didn't have planes and trains. And we didn't have Zoom at our fingertips to make decisions quickly to consider how should we respond to somebody, a theologian who says something that causes most of our radar screens to go beep, 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 beep. And so it would take decades, decades to work through really big theological issues. We're talking about Christology here. We're talking about soteriology here. And I do recognize the limitations that they had that would keep them from perhaps moving a little bit faster when it comes to responding to a teaching that I think most find disagreeable. Having said that, is it also possible they just took more time to think things through? Ten days. That is not a long period of time. And I know we have telecommunication that is lickety split, but 10 days to think through an issue and all of its complexities, uh, it's not a lot of time. And for the individual who is saying this issue isn't complex, 
I, I grant you, to me, the issue of attending a gay wedding, uh, that's that's quite straightforward. No, and we've stated that for I don't know how long here. Furthermore, I don't believe that a Christian should use and accommodate the pronouns of somebody who is terribly confused about their body and their being. And so that's that's my position. And yet, while that is rather straightforward, there are many other questions surrounding the subject, which is why we have delayed here. Well, and when I say delayed, uh, compared to the immediate response that tends to be demanded on the Internet, we've delayed for a number of reasons. First of all, Alistair Begg, uh, he ain't no Joel Osteen. <laughs> We're not talking about Benny Hinn here. We're talking about Alistair Begg. This is this is a man who hasn't missed a beat in 40 years. And so anytime we're talking about somebody like this, I want to, as I stated in a book that I wrote in 2015, quote, slow our rolls and think it through. And I've been desiring to do that. And just for whatever this is worth, I am not sure that I have thought more about any subject than this one in my recent memory, which I grant you isn't that long, but the point is I've been thinking about it a lot. And you say, well, what have you been thinking about? I have not been thinking about the issue itself. That is straightforward to me. And if I were having dinner with Al, I would explain to him why. And I would offer the biblical support that I don't believe a Christian should attend a gay wedding. But those aren't the only issues. Here are the big questions that I have been pondering and I am going to continue to ponder until certain things happen and I can get it sorted in my brain. Because let's be honest, there's some pretty low-hanging fruit on this story that we might be tempted to chomp on. Well, uh, every, every Everybody has to decide how they want to deal with this issue or not publicly. But as for me and this ministry, we want to be wise about this as best we can be. We want to actually practice rules of discernment. And there are other considerations that I want to explore because I think you can put them on the balance if you want to, which is heavier what Al Begg said, or how you and I are dealing with it. Tell me, you have not been a little bit conflicted internally on this subject. We're not talking about Andy Stanley here. Al Begg has not unhitched the Bible. He's, his position on the subject is right on the money. It's right on the money. Now. Where, where do I believe as best I can that this went off the rails? The answer is, I think I know. I think I do. I really think that I do. Why am I not willing to express it now? There are a number of reasons. Let's start with some of the considerations surrounding this subject. Number one would be jurisdiction. 
This is a tricky one. You say, well, jurisdiction, what are we talking about here? Well, there are jurisdictions that God has established. Here they are in the Bible. There are some that are crystal clear. There are others that I think we can say are extrapolated from the Bible implicitly. But here's the explicit realms of jurisdictional authority. Family, mom and dad, that's your jurisdiction. There is also the jurisdiction of government, very limited in its scope, but affecting all of us. And then there's the jurisdiction of the church. Now, there are other jurisdictions that I think are described in the Bible. They're not spoken about negatively. So education, that's a, that's a realm of jurisdictional authority where a teacher and student have a relationship where one is subordinate to the other. It's a realm of jurisdiction. I think we could also say implicitly in the Bible, there's the realm of employment, bosses, employees. My question in all of this is, and just just hear me out before you you you, you perhaps respond quickly. I do not see the realm of social media given any sort of credence in the Bible as a realm of jurisdiction. Now, I, I know what you are thinking. Hey, he said this stuff publicly, and we can respond publicly. And to that I say, amen. I have affirmed that principle. When, when we started years ago, we used to every week have False Teacher Tuesday. So we've been on this for a number of decades now, and that was that was our defense for speaking about false teachers publicly. Well, Al Begg is no false teacher. Nevertheless, if you say something publicly, you can expect and you should not be offended by a public critique. And this is where this is just one level where I think this subject is more complex than meets the eye, not on the issue itself. Here's the complexity. Alistair Begg said this publicly. Alistair Begg is a pastor of a local church, and there are elders at that church. And when a pastor says something that is perhaps deemed inappropriate, unwise, foolish, wrong, sinful, it's not up to a talk show host to deal with the issue of what we do with a pastor who says something like that. It's up to the local church. Now, I'm weighing that, fully understanding that it was said publicly and it can have a public response. And I affirm both of these things, which is precisely why I'm going to give deference to the local church. Because you see, it's my observation that somehow, somewhere along the way, that podcasts have superseded pulpits in their authority. And I don't believe that. We should be coming underneath churches, supporting churches. And so that is why, at the moment, all I'm willing to do is talk about, talking about, Alistair Begg. But I'll share more reasons next on Wretched Radio. So, you aren't convinced of the importance of training godly men to rightly divide the word of truth in churches internationally? Well then, we'll let Paul Washer 
convince you. You have to support men who are elder qualified proclaimers of the word. When we support a man coming out of TMAI, we know not only that he is properly trained, but we know that he will still be supervised. Would you please join TMAI, the Master's Academy International, in advancing the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ through expository preaching in local churches around the globe. It's a magnificent ministry and it's so important. Please consider partnering with TMAI at wretched.org slash pastor, wretched.org slash pastor. Thank you for supporting indigenous pastors around the world. Okay, so imagine that you're inside of a maze and every corner that you take, there's another wall, there's another obstacle, and you finally get to the point of frustration where you think you're never going to get out. But then imagine a different scenario. You're still inside that maze, but every corner you take is a guide who has a flashlight and is saying, nope, that's the right way to go. And in that scenario, we welcome you to Transform with Dr. Greg Gifford. And whether you've listened or not, you'll realize really quickly it's not your everyday radio show. Transform with Dr. Greg Gifford takes issues that many, if not all of us, struggle with, and it matches them up to hope and healing through the pages of the Bible. It is genuinely an entirely new perspective. New episodes drop every Saturday morning in your favorite podcast spot or at transformed.org slash podcast transformed with dr greg gifford i believe in a culture of life one of the most impactful moments of my life was when i heard the heartbeat of my oldest daughter uh, in my wife's womb and then saw the sonograms of all three of my kids the sonogram or the the pictures that are taken of babies still a profoundly helpful tool which encourages me to encourage you to consider supporting preborn ministries preborn ministries and their network clinics they are giving away free ultrasounds to women but they do cost something it's 28 dollars an ultrasound and just as you heard governor DeSantis say his view of life was profoundly changed when he saw the baby in the womb when you see the form and the shape and the fingers and the heartbeat would you please consider supporting preborn it's a great ministry of life it has a high anthropology shares the gospel with women and with the dads preborn.org slash wretched preborn.org slash wretched know your church fathers Athenagoras was a Christian philosopher in Athens who used his training to defend the Christian faith against Roman persecution. He wrote on the resurrection of the dead, arguing that the nature of God, the nature of humanity, and the concept of justice only make sense if there is a physical resurrection. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. A-bombs have fallout. This is Wretched Radio in the theological realm. An A-bomb was dropped 10 days ago when Pastor Alistair Begg said that he gave advice to a grandmother asking for his pastoral advice as to whether she should attend her grandson's transgender wedding. He said, as long as they know where you stand, Go, because you might surprise them by being loving and you will not be affirming the stereotype that we just hate all things LGBTQ and bring a gift while you're at it. That was an A-bomb. 
I don't think that any of us anticipated one of the individuals who is in the pantheon of conservative evangelicals to say that, but he did. And I disagree with Pastor Begg. I would say, no, the Bible does not give us permission to, in any way, shape, or form, affirm sin. And I don't care what the sin is. We have to be careful that we don't affirm something that God definitely disapproves of, even if it might cause people to like us. We need to remember we are entering into the reality of what was merely a philosophy for Christians in the 21st century. Little something called persecution. Little something called the animosity of the world. We've moved from the world esteeming Christianity in a positive view to a neutral tone to now very negative and increasingly aggressive. And we need to expect more of this. And we need to be prepared when necessary to stand. And I believe this is one of those times where it's necessary to stand. So what Dr. Begg said, it is an A-bomb. But there's fallout from A-bombs. And I wonder if you aren't feeling that fallout. And I wonder if this maybe isn't the time for us to talk about how we talk about one another when we have a disagreement. That is the subject that I am very interested in. Because I, I, I think we all get the A-bomb that Dr. Begg dropped. But our hearts and our emotions, our attitudes, and our tongues have been affected by it, hasn't it? Have you talked about the subject? Have you perhaps been listening to, reading a lot about this subject? Because I think most of us, I think if we are being to any degree charitable, uh, go, <laughs> Dr. Bay, <laughs> how did you come up with that? And now we're left asking some questions. And I look forward to raising those questions and attempting to help us walk through the answers. Please note, I didn't say that I'm going to tell you what you should think about this subject. It's not my place to do that. These issues, while I believe the core issue, the A-bomb issue itself, is clear. I, to me, it's clear. The fallout is less clear. What do we do with Pastor Alistair Begg. We love the guy. <laughs> Dr. Begg. <laughs> and then it raises more questions. What if inside of our church, there are people who hold a position with which we disagree? How will we get along in the local church? How are you getting along in your home with somebody who disagrees, not just on this subject, but I would suggest to you, there is, a, this, is this is the first tidal wave. There are about 10 lined up behind it that are going to cause Christians for the first time to wrestle with issues that we would have never imagined. No doubt you've said this. 
Boy, if our great-grandparents could see the way the people are talking, thinking, and believing these days, they'd wonder, what in the world happened there? It's just absolutely bonkers. But the bonkersness isn't going to stop with this issue. I ain't no Einstein, but I was able to write down 10 issues that are new for the Christian to consider. Brand new. And we are going to have to sort through these issues and as we sort through them, here's, here's my concern, that we will divide before we've even made a determination that is thoughtful, that we will quickly draw lines, choose sides, and anybody who is outside of the way that I perceive this very brave new world issue, I cannot have fellowship. No. Once again, here's where it gets tricky. There's going to be some issues where we do conclude that. All of them, we got to sort it as we go. And my heartache in all of this is that as we even work through it, we're not even allowed to work through it. This is a hot issue, isn't it? This is the cultural issue of our day. This is the tip of the cultural spear, the progressive cultural spear. It's hot. And I feel that. We all feel that. But then Alistair Begg comes along and he says something that appears to affirm that side. And I think I think the body at large has been thrown into a, a fair amount of confusion on this subject. And my hope from the standpoint of this ministry is merely to help in that regard and recognizing uh, that actually some evangelical spears would be thrown at us because um, we're talking about it as opposed to drawing hard lines. We draw hard lines here regularly. These issues are new. Let me share a few of them that I wrote down. Are we a Christian nation? What is the role of church and state and the jurisdictional lines? Christian nationalism, the life issue. We're seeing a divide between abolitionists and incrementalists. What about the believer who thinks that racism is systemic in this country? What about reparations? What about gay weddings? What about pronouns? What about DEI? Here, here's a big one that you're going to be confronted with DEI in your workplace. Do you go? Do you affirm? How do you dance around this subject? This is all new surrogacy. The Pope stepped on that landmine last week. These are all new. What, what about eugenics issues? What about a myriad of anthropological issues? What I'm saying is these are new. And whilst we're going to be a little bit more expedient than the early church was able to deal with issues more quickly than they did, we've got to be willing to think this thing through. And as we think this thing through, determine where are we going to draw lines and where aren't we? That's the question I'm most interested in right now. Because I resolved the actual issue a long time ago. It, it's, it's the fallout. 
And so there are a number of reasons that at this moment, I, I, I want to wait before diving into those. And one of the reasons that I mentioned was jurisdiction. Yes, he said it nationally, but this is still a local church issue, and I want to honor that. Uh, in fact, on Sunday night at the Parkside Church service, Alistair Begg said, I just want you to know, I acknowledge, I know what's going on. I'm going to be meeting with the elders. Whoa, hello, wait, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. That, that's like, now I'm touching a hot stove. Whoa, the elders are dealing with it. I'm going to back up. I'm a talk show host. I like to think I know my place and I need to stay in my lane. I'm not going to give you medical advice. And getting involved in the business of a local church ain't a, ain't a place I wish to go. There are other reasons to wait. As I was mentioning, these are all new issues. We gotta, we've got to sort through this stuff. And as we do, I don't know about you, but I, I'd, I'd kind of like to keep going to church with you. Third reason that we're not, we're not ignoring the subject here. We've spoken about it for years anyway. Alistair Begg is a brother. He's a now. I, w I would ask you this question: If you heard me kind of pounce pretty hard on Al Begg, you should you should be asking yourself the question: Would I want to go to a church with a guy like Todd who treats his friends that way? And you probably would conclude, uh, no, no, I I don't actually, because yikes. If he's, if he's willing to chop off the head of Al Begg, what would he do to me? Now, does that mean my position has changed? No. Does that mean that I affirm what he said? No. But this is a story in progress. We're 10 days into it. It ain't nowhere near done. It is a local church issue, and this is a brand new subject. And so, as I stand here today, we're just going to keep slowing our roll. This is Wretched Radio. And it's now time for a Wretched News Break here on Wretched Radio. I'm Jimmy Hanks. We lead off today with the upside-down world of Woke TV. A recent Law & Order episode portrayed a sexual assault victim who refused to press charges against her black attacker because it might reinforce stereotypes like her white privilege. Yep, that's right. The script for this television show had a traumatized woman cite her white privilege as a reason to let a rapist go free. I guess culture wars make better drama than actually exploring real solutions. The new legislation in Florida aims to protect people against frivolous accusations of bigotry used to destroy reputations and livelihoods. A bill classifies falsely alleging racism, homophobia, or transphobia as defamation. Critics are arguing that this targets marginalized voices. And in more predatory grooming news, a video has exposed an Oregon teacher who lured kids into LGBT meetings with cookies and tea. The guy pins rainbow flags on his young pupils while celebrating how membership has skyrocketed. Yeah, I, that, that's exactly what's happening. What else do you call it? Just skyrocketing membership or opportunistic scheming that indoctrinates children. One of those ideas sound right. And speaking of wayward leaders, a councilwoman in Illinois wants citizens to house illegal immigrants in their homes. 
Drawing inspiration from New York's plan to bust illegals into neighborhoods unannounced, she pitched the insane invasion idea at a recent meeting to address Chicago's sanctuary surge. I, I kid you not, she wants random families to take in unvetted strangers just dropped on their doorstep, and she expects them to do it willingly. Wonder if she'll be number one on the list. Something tells me, no, she's got too much going on. And finally, Disney's obsession with woke theory hit staff break rooms last week after an employee diversity will poster surfaced at California parks. That's a mouthful. Anyway, the graphic labeled natural traits as privileged hierarchies impacting opportunity. After some outrage online, corporate officials removed the radical propaganda from their lounges while claiming temporary unauthorized display. And that's been today's Wretched News Break. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Books of the Bible John, the beloved disciple, author of the Gospel of John and Revelation, also wrote three epistles. In this first epistle of John, the apostle has one main concern, that we may know if we have eternal life and if our faith is genuine faith. If you want to know that you have eternal life, turn to 1 John and see what he has written for you. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Martin Luther's greatest hit. This is Wretched Radio. Question, is there anything we can learn in 2024 from Martin Luther? That is the question that was raised at a conference at which Carl Truman was speaking. It was a Missouri Synod Lutheran conference, and he was having a chat with the pastors there, and a question was asked. What he thought confessional Lutheranism could offer to the church Catholic, small c Catholic, at this moment in time. And his answer, whether or not you're Lutheran, was helpful. It was helpful. If Lutherans are doing a better job in some of these regards, well, then I say props to them. It doesn't mean that I'm going to become a Lutheran, but that doesn't mean... I can't learn some things, and so it is Carl Truman, who is indeed one of the better minds of our time. This guy is a good thinker. He's Presbyterian. He has written a couple of books that are so illuminating, they're, they, they border on breathtaking. His two books on tracing the philosophical history of Western civilization to help us understand why is everything falling apart here? Profoundly helpful. And so Carl Truman, in response to this question, said there's three things that I think we can learn, and I think we can too. But could I, perhaps as a note, because, you know, the ADHD thing, he said something in his introduction to his threefold response to the question, what could we learn from confessional Lutherans at this time? It caught my, it caught my eyeballs. Here's what he said. Evangelicals. That's you and me are tearing themselves apart over attitudes to the current political malaise that has enveloped American public life. There's some tearing up that is biblical and necessary, but I think Carl is right. Hoofta. Woo. That the evangelical fracturing 
over just even having a political conversation where there might be shades of disagreement. Carl Truman is observing it. We should ask ourselves the question, well, I might not be able to be the political scientist that determines if everybody in evangelicalism has that same attitude. I can ask myself the question about my own heart. How hot am I in responding to another evangelical who doesn't, dis- who doesn't agree with my particular take on a political issue? But back to the Lutherans. Here's the first thing that Carl Truman thinks that we can learn. Confessional Protestantism. I don't know if you're familiar with people who are confessional. They are they are so fascinating. I we're all confessional. It's just to varying degrees. I'm talking about people you could say are capital C confessional. These are people who are like super confessional, meaning they study well and lean heavily on confessions the Westminster Confession, whatever their confession of faith is, the Augsburg Confession, if you're Lutheran, small cult articles. Uh, Lutherans, there are some Lutherans. You would say the Missouri Synod and the Wisconsin Synod being confessional, they lean heavily on confessions. So do, not the liberal, but the conservative Presbyterians. And so do Reformed Baptists. There are some, not, not all, who are very confessional, and you know it when you meet them. Okay, Jimmy, I'm going to do my impression of a confessional person. Okay. And by the way, um, I'm not dissing them. I'm just trying to explain them so that if you've never been acquainted with somebody who's confessional, that you understand where they're coming from and how they sift contemporary issues through a confessional filter. So, Jimmy, ask me something about the Bible, anything theological, anything even remotely spiritual. Ask you, did, did Adam have a belly button? Okay, okay fine. Fair. I thought you were going to give me a dad joke. I'm a little disappointed. I don't mind telling. What is the joke du jour? Today, uh, it's also the joke of the day. I think. Why don't they play poker in Africa? I don't know, Jimmy. Why don't they play poker in Africa? <laughs> Too many cheetahs. You just love bad jokes. It's just there's George Barna needs to do a study to figure you out. We gotta get we gotta get to the bottom of this deal right here. Okay, go ahead. Uh, what was the question? I think Adam's buddy belt did, did Adam have a belly button. Did Adam have a belly button? The divines in Article Seven of the Westminster Confession, when they were meeting, they discuss that's a confessional person. That it's it's Please hear me. I'm. 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 This. Uh, this is not a derogatory representation of them. They really. They're the thinking, and I can't speak for all of them, but the thinking is. This has already been thought through. Smarter guys than us spent years wrestling through these issues. I don't need to. I trust their take on the Bible. Of course, they would not put the confessions above the Bible, but they would likely say the confessions are based on the Bible. Therefore, they are worthy of our consideration and likely deference. Those are confessional folks. And, and, and there are many inside of the Lutheran church, Presbyterians, Reformed Baptists, that are confessional. So back to Carl Truman, confessional Protestantism in general when faithful to its defining documents, 
focuses the minds of believers upon the great truths of the Christian faith that take no account of the vicissitudes of the age. In other words, they don't really pay much attention to what the world is up to and what the zeitgeist is. We are interested in God, Trinity, fall, incarnation, redemption, grace, salvation, eternity. That's the primary concern of confessionalists. These are truths, writes Carl, that feed the mind and the soul regardless of which side wins and which side loses election. The church goes about its business, proclaiming Christ in word, he writes, and sacrament, even as earthly regimes come and go. Thus it was in the time of Nero, so it is today. Does this mean, and I don't think Carl (laughs) would say it does, that we aren't aware of what's going on in politics? Nope. Does this mean we don't vote? Nope. Does this mean that an individual Christian can't get involved in politics? Nope. But it does mean when it comes to priorities, politics ain't it. Government isn't even close to the top, isn't it? I get it. It affects us like deeply. It really does. But to the confessional, whatever the denominational stripe is, um, church, God, Bible, and we're aware but it's not going to drive our church. I I would even add to this for the confessional Lutherans. They aren't letting trendiness in culture drive their worship services, which is why they tend to be more formal, a higher church model, because they don't care if people dig Hillsong. They don't care if that sort of beat is what gets people to come to church. They don't care because they don't listen to the world. Confession. This is Carl Truman. Confessional Lutheranism has two particularly important contributions to the church, small c Catholic today. First, the Lutheran distinction between the heavenly kingdom and the earthly kingdom. Here's a subject that is worthy of a Bible study. What is the kingdom of heaven slash kingdom of God? I think the word kingdom of heaven is used 35 times exclusively in the Gospel of Matthew. 68 times the term kingdom of God is used throughout the New Testament. I believe that the word is the same, the same concept. Broadly understood, the kingdom of God is everything. He rules over every single molecule. More narrowly, it's a spiritual kingdom. Jesus came proclaiming, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. How do you get into this kingdom? The king brings you in, justifying you, granting you repentance and faith. You become a citizen of the king of kings. The spiritual realm is the current kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God, versus this earthly kingdom realm. And understanding the distinction between one kingdom and two kingdoms, while we most certainly can have disagreements on the subject, it is well worth our time to consider it. Back to Carl. This distinction of two kingdoms versus one is vital, especially in a time of deep political division and seductive political temptation. Much has been made of Christian nationalism as an existential threat to the nation and to democracy. And he's wise. He says, setting aside the rather fluid definitions of what Christian nationalism even is, even in its most extreme form, writes Truman, it is unlikely to pose a significant threat to society at large. In other words, despite what liberals say, if somebody, depending on what stripe they are, Christian nationalists, you don't need to be scared of them. Uh, I, I, I cannot tell if he meant it's not really going to have much impact 
on our culture or not, but that's not the point of this article. It may well prove to be a threat in the much smaller world of our congregations and denominations where a confusion between church and world and between the power of the word and the power of the sword would devastate the gospel. Do you remember my distraction when I read evangelicals are tearing themselves apart over attitudes to the current political malaise that has enveloped American public life? This is one of those issues that can do that. I suspect Christian nationalism will not affect the polls. But it sure could affect the local church. We'll continue learning from Luterns next on Wretched Radio. Well, 2024 is a crucial election year. The sanctity of life is at the forefront. And while we do celebrate the overturning of Roe, we cannot ignore the surge of pro-choice voices. They are persuasive, but we can and should be more convincing. We have to stand firm, not only in our beliefs, but also in the understanding of the gospel to change hearts and minds. Pro-choice advocates rally voters with misleading arguments. And as Christians, it is our duty to counter these narratives with truth and compassion. Remember, this is not only about politics. It's about protecting the lives of the unborn. The debate has shifted to when instead of should, and now it's time to refocus this conversation. Equip your family and your church with Life is Best, a 13-lesson series that's not just powerful, but a call to action. Order your free digital download and streaming version from The Wretched Store right now. It's available for free during the month of January. You have until January 31st, and we, together, can make a difference. I would say the Tomorrow Clubs is a wonderful ministry. Kids are getting saved like crazy, not just in Eastern Europe, but also in Africa. And it's so efficient. I was just with Paul and Cindy Marty, and I asked, and I said, in, in American currency, how much does it cost to have a kid come to a Tomorrow Club four times a month? So every single week, what, what's the, what does it take to make that happen? Ready? A buck, one dollar. That's it. The kid comes, they get treats, they get materials that they learn the Bible, they memorize a buck because it's it's all volunteer driven. All those dear ones, they're volunteers. It's an amazing ministry. And if you have a heart for the lost in Eastern Europe, Africa, and you love supporting ministries that are super efficient and biblically sound, I would point you in the direction of tomorrowclub.org slash wretched, tomorrowclub.org slash wretched, and ask how many children might I be able to support per month? Hey, thanks for listening to Wretched Radio today. You know, being a part of the Wretched family without even realizing it, you have become an unofficial encourager. When you listen to and you share our posts on social media and YouTube, you're actually encouraging not just us, but the other people that you're in connection with. So you are an unofficial encourager. We want to talk about upgrading that role from encourager to actually a frontline partner. And so I'm inviting you to become an ongoing monthly gospel partner. Think about it. Imagine with your support we could reach not just millions, but gazillions. All right, maybe not gazillions, but a lot of souls all over the world with the life-changing gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you are not in place in your life right now where you can do that, understand that we are still so appreciative of all of your encouragement. Wretched.org slash donate. That's where you'll find all of the answers to all of the questions that you possibly would ever have about becoming an ongoing monthly gospel partner. Wretched. Amazing grace. Amazing gospel. Lexicon. There are many words to help us understand the nature of the Bible. 
Words like sufficiency. The Bible tells us everything we need to know about God. Salvation, doctrine and life. We do not need any additional revelation to know who God is and what He requires of us. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Lessons from Lutherans, don't you know? This is Wretched Radio. Why was my impression of a Midwesterner so spot on? Well, spent a couple of years in Minnesota. It comes naturally. In fact, it actually does come naturally. Sometimes I find myself hearing myself and going, who? What Scandinavian just walked into the room whose last name ends in an S-O-N or S-E-N? And don't get it wrong, not only in print, but in enunciation. There's a big difference between Scandinavians. If you're an S-O-N, you're Swedish. If you're an S-E-N, you're Norwegian. Don't you forget it then, pally boy. Or no tapioca pudding for you then. What might we learn from Lutherans, at least of the confessional stripe? Carl Truman, writing a helpful article His insights, I got to tell you, they're poignant. If you would like to hear his take on can Christians attend gay weddings, encourage you to do that because it's it 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 peels the onion even more, which will lead you to conclude no, no can do. In fact, I happen to have that article, which isn't the article that we're talking about. Please, if you don't have ADHD, get it so that you can. Continue to follow my ADHD. Carl Truman, can Christians attend gay weddings? Uh, uh, Just lays out the case beautifully because we are at a point where we do need to be asking the question, when will Christians face genuine persecution? And are we perhaps becoming too empathetic to culture and society that we are overriding our practical theology. In, in other words, with, a, with such a desire to, to not offend, we compromise. That's, that is the challenge of our day. In fact, sorry, third article. Look, I told you, if you don't have ADHD, get it. I, Jimmy, I think we have the ADHD in our wretched store, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> you can pick up your own right there. Uh, Robinson. Uh, not not V. Jean Robinson. By the way, V. Jean Robinson celebrating 20 years as the first gay Anglican bishop wearing purple fingernail polish. I learned that he had two children, divorced the wife and the kids, you know, so that daddy could really experience love or <laughs> incredible selfishness. And then he got married to somebody named Mark and they're divorced now, too. The point is, oh, by the way, Anglican Communion has just installed its first transgender archbishop. Okay. Um, Anglican Church, you need to put on your big boy pants and stop this nonsense. There are issues that are simply going to cause the world to look askance at us. The Robinson, oh, that fellow, he's quite compelling to listen to. He got kicked out of the Anglican Communion. He was asked to speak at a more conservative branch and off-breaking of Anglicanism. Sorry, that I it, like ANC or AACR or something like that. And he was asked to speak on the subject of critical race theory. And he dove deep. And his contention was at the core of critical theory is Marxism and even more than that, feminism. That feminism is the basis for so many of the confusions that we are seeing today. 
and 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 this particular treatment, I think it was at the American Reformer, was talking about why men have equivocated so much on this subject. And, and it has to do with Genesis creation design, that men typically are less empathetic than women are. And it is a special gifting. It is a good thing. It is a complementary issue, a gift that, that we need. Um, and so women tend to, as a whole, have more empathy than men do. And that is a great gift to many areas of life except theology. Because when empathy overrides what the Bible states, then, then you're wrong. And men have a much more difficult time defending biblical verities against women than they do against men. Because we've learned um, you open a door for a lady, you give deference to a woman. Oh, we uh, see that we can be strong physically where they're weak. We protect, we die for. So when a woman comes along and says, hey, what about my role in the church? Uh, well, because they, they, they want that status, which by the way, this is an aside to the aside to the aside to the aside. Uh, in the church, status ain't nothing. Service is everything. So the, the desire to have status for women in the church is ill-conceived because Jesus isn't about human status. He modeled human service, ministering to one another. They're esteemed the greatest in the kingdom. And so when a woman complains, a man has a tendency to respond. And you know this, sir, when your wife complains or she's upset about something, you kick it into a gear, don't you? And so when a woman complains about something biblical, men have a tendency to equivocate, to appease, to make happy because they don't like seeing women whose empathy gear is in full drive feel bad. So he spoke on this subject and for his troubles, well, you know what happened. He got himself in big trouble. Now, that was the aside to the aside to the aside. Here's the aside to the aside. Carl Truman. Only last week, a pastor friend told me to, uh, that a member of his church who was a manager of a business has been ordered to integrate the bathrooms and is now faced with complaints from women's staff who feel their safety and privacy have been compromised. Great. Deal, deal with that one. It's just another one of these issues. And he writes this. To update the famous comment on, of Leon Trotsky, you may not be interested in the sexual revolution, but the sexual revolution, it's interested in you. And insightfully, he writes this. Some of us are still privileged enough to be partly sheltered from this revolution. I count myself as one, along with those whose detachment, get ready for a shot, podcaster like myself, whose detachment from real life pastoral situations apparently qualifies them to sell political pedagogy to others. If you're a Christian Podcaster, broadcaster, you better be embedded in your local church deep and dealing with people's issues. Because the point of this article from Carl Truman is it's one thing to pontificate. It's another thing to counsel somebody whose job is on the line. 
but that was a mere aside to the aside to the aside from Carl Truman's original article, Lessons from the Lutheran Tradition for 2024. If you recall, number one, keep your priorities straight. God, Jesus, Bible, church, eternity, theology, Christian growth, sanctification. Correct. Christian unity. That's priority. Oh, yeah, politics. We, yeah, we're aware of that stuff, too. But it doesn't push the church around. He continues, confessional Lutheranism can offer today's church a powerful understanding of the suffering of the church. I can't recall the article that I read, which is a good thing, because then we'd have another aside to our aside or wherever we happen to be about suffering. That the church used to, they expected it. They just expected it. And I know this gets weird because it's like, well, you telling me you want suffering? No. No, I don't. Can we do things to try to protect ourselves from things that are harmful? Of course we can. Simultaneously, we, we're the suffering people. Don't know if you've read through the Beatitudes, considering its structure, I get to preach on it in a couple of weeks. Justin Peters is going to be preaching at Alpharetta Bible Church on Sunday. Well, we're recording a discernment series and resource over the course of the weekend. He's preaching on Sunday. So in two weeks, I get to talk about the Beatitudes. And if you recall, it's blessed are those who, and it, it describes the heart attitude of the believer. And then it concludes with, what is the conclusion? Blessed are those who are persecuted. Wait, what? The reason that there's a flow to the Beatitudes is because the consequence of being a kingdom citizen, a, a real peacemaker, not a peacemaker, but a peacemaker, one who is humble at heart, one who mourns, one who longs, you're going to get persecuted. You're going to suffer. And it shouldn't be considered peculiar to us. In his 1539 treatise on the councils of the church, writes Truman, Luther calls possession of the cross one of the seven marks of the true church. The true church will be marked by outward weakness, will be despised by the world, and will suffer as she eschews the world's methods for gaining power and influence all the while never compromising a bit and being strong and being willing to, to suffer for it. There is somebody, oh, man. Jimmy, I'm trying to think of a man who suffered in history more than anybody else. Uh, Jesus? That's the one mm. right there. And it should be esteemed by us as a privilege that we partake in the sufferings of Jesus. If your theology of suffering isn't robust, you might want to start getting it in shape. And until tomorrow, go serve your king. <laughs>